1: Good afternoon and welcome. A lot has happened since we last talked to Mayor John Torrey on the show. He's taken a vacation, which can be very good for perspective, and he just had a birthday turning 65. As I am sure you are aware, CARP, a new vision of aging, was on the forefront of getting rid of mandatory retirement at that age. And regardless of whether we agree or disagree with your policies, Mayor, we are glad the R word is not on your radar. Welcome and thanks for joining us.
2: Well, thank you very much. I hadn't even thought about it. Uh, so whatever the law said, uh, it's the furthest thing from my mind. Okay. Uh, people, your, a lot of your listeners will know that, uh, and I tell this to people much younger than me, that uh, uh, my energy level, uh, and I think if you're blessed with good health, your energy level and and your the, the wisdom you have from having lived longer uh, makes you actually sort of ready to go and do things at age 65 more so than you were at 55 or 45, and there's really no uh, no other difference. I mean, as, as, you know, as, if you have your health, that's the most important thing.
1: Well- as they say, from uh, your mouth to God's ears, I right. totally agree with you. Uh, on to uh, more serious stuff. So uh, you had, we, Toronto had a reprieve from Queen's Park. They backed off the retroactive cuts, which the city said would impact uh, important programs like public health. Now that, promise was made by the Ford government. No sooner did Doug Ford back off those cuts when city councilors started saying, we are never on board for the cuts. We have to fight these cuts while you, the mayor saying, well, now we can sit down, roll up our sleeves and find efficiencies and where to cut. So where does that leave you?
2: Well, it's a bit of an apples and oranges thing uh, that people are talking at cross purposes. Um, you know, I understand the fact that uh, the province has serious financial problems and those have to be addressed. And they ran on a platform of saying they were going to address them. I think the way they initially started to address them was wrong because they were they, they imposed, for example, uh, retroactive cuts, as you mentioned, on municipalities halfway through their budget year un, unannounced and without consultation. Now I think we have a chance to sit down and I think where my council colleagues, those who have commented, I haven't read those particular comments, but where I think they're off base is they're implying that all we're going to sit down and do now is talk about the same list of cuts and just implementing them later. That's not the discussion that I'm signing up for. I'm signing up for a discussion where we sit with the other government, the provincial government in this case, and see if we can find in all the shared programs we have, all the ones we fund together in partnership and so on, better ways to do things so that there are ways in which we can save money without affecting uh, frontline services, um, but we just find better ways to do things and, and achieve some of the same savings for both governments uh, in that manner. So I don't think there's anything wrong. In fact, I think there's a lot of things right with sitting down and going through that kind of an exercise. We've already begun those discussions, and I'm certainly viewing it with a going in, uh, you know, a going in uh, goal of not affecting the frontline services like child care and public health that were to be affected by their unilateral retroactive cuts. And, uh, you know, we'll see uh, see how we do.
1: Yeah, but uh, with respect, you're just one vote on council. Uh, the, The counselors, especially those on the left, they're just going to oppose that. How are you planning to deal with that?
2: Well, I'm confident, as was the case with transit. Look, there are some people who say, no matter what, I think if it it came to getting free money for the city, some of those people would say you should never sit down with those people because they have profound objections, and I get it. It's politics, you know, with Mr. Ford and with his government and so forth. I believe my job is different. I believe my job is to work with them as best one can, and I've certainly shown absolutely no hesitation to stand up for the city when I believe they're going in the wrong direction and doing things that are contrary to the best interest of the city, but in this case, it was me who said, as part of you know, saying that we have to sort of get back to working together and not have you imposing retroactive cuts. That if they withdrew those retroactive cuts, we would sit down and talk to them about ways we could do things better. And I think the majority of council will support at least those discussions taking place. And we'll see what the results of those discussions are before we start ruling things in, in and ruling things out. I've said my objective in seeing us participate in those discussions is to protect uh, the services that people rely on in the cities, and I think that's uh, ma- the vast majority of council would support. Having discussions that protect those services but also try to find uh, some savings and efficiencies.
1: Uh, how much of that do you attribute to their? Uh plummeting in the polls and how much to that campaign you launched, I must say, was quite effective going door to door, encouraging people to sign petitions and and the threat of another tax hike. So uh, how would you assign the credit for making that happen, the uh, backtracking?
2: Well, I think the public are very sensible. And, you know, most of the people that are listening to us right now on 740, uh, they've been through in their business life and their personal life, things that happen suddenly in the middle of the year and for you to have to change course and they know that's not the right way to produce the best decisions and so i think that that was the number one thing that helped us was a lot of people understood very clearly that the cuts being imposed unilaterally in the middle of the year was going to be a really difficult thing for any city in ontario And that is the second factor that was helpful that you alluded to this didn't just affect toronto where you know toronto sometimes is a favorite whipping boy of other governments and other parts of the country uh, that uh, sort of are envious of our size and strength and so forth um but in this case it was all cities and towns in ontario so the 28 mayors from the biggest cities in ontario stood together to say this was wrong and it was going to be hurtful so uh, I think that really helped a lot and, and uh, you know in the end what 's really important is the government listened and they decided to postpone uh, you know taking action and and I hope that we'll end up coming up with a different series of efficiencies we can find that do not affect those services I mentioned child care public health and and so on um, but um, I think that was the effectiveness of this was that it was so obvious to people out there that this was the wrong way to go about this, and that you had all the mayors of all the cities uh, together saying this was Right, And I think the government listened to that uh, united chorus.
1: We saw a study, the, uh, a Vision Zero type study that showed that there are more crashes, more bodily harm, more people injured on the roads in lower income areas. Does that surprise you? And what do you intend to do about it?
2: Well, we've announced that we're coming forward with what we call Vision Zero 2.0, which is like the second installment of it, and that there's going to be quite significant actions undertaken in that regard, which include a broader reduction of speed limits across the city, the installation of a lot more uh, red light cameras and, and photo radar and a host of things to redesign uh, streets. Uh, and, and by the way, I think the study reflects more the geography of the city than it does the the demographics. I think that the, the, the people that are often in the in the lower income groups that you made reference to live uh, more predominantly these days in Toronto in this what we would call the suburbs in, in parts of Scarborough and North York and the detailed analysis we did of the roads in Scarborough because they tend to be wider roads with fewer uh, signals, intersections, in other words, fewer traffic lights, um, tend to be places where disproportionately um, people are uh, b- being involved in these collisions, pedestrians, and uh, disproportionately, again, a lot of those people are seniors and I think it has more to do with the road design and so forth uh, and that happens to be where pe- 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 some of the people with the lower income uh, income uh, groups live and so what we It doesn't really just do happen
1: fix- I mean they can't afford uh, s- big single family homes with big backyards uh, far from uh, main, main streets isn't well, that?
2: Well but, but a lot of these are main streets but they're designed in a certain way and I don't dispute what you said but but they a lot of the streets are designed in a way the streets were designed in the suburbs in the 60s and 50s which was these big wide streets with long straightaways that encourage, when I say encourage, they they make it much easier for people to think they should be driving at a higher rate of speed. And that's why we have to put in more signalized intersections. We have to put in more red light cameras to get people going through red lights because a great number of the collisions involving pedestrians involve people going through red lights in effect. I mean, you know, trying to rush through an orange light or a red light. Uh, It involved people making turns at these intersections. It involved people speeding. And so we've got to change speed limits and enforce the law. Uh, but I'll just say to you that I think the demographic, um, you know, that the other thing is, I guess, Libby, if if you think about the fact that disproportionately seniors have been uh, the victims of these collisions as well. Seniors are often a lower income group simply because they're on fixed incomes of one kind or another. So that would probably explain some of this. But there's just no question that the problem is acute uh, in all parts of the city. But I think it is more acute in some of the suburbs because of uh, the configuration of the roads and the habits of the drivers and so on, all of which are things that we're going to have to change.
1: Uh, You're about to raise the pride flag. Uh, The police chief was doing that this morning, yet the premier says he's not going to march in the parade because the police are not participating in uniform. What, What do you think of that?
2: well I think everybody has to make their own decision about uh, these things I've chosen myself uh, to devote myself to trying to get the police back into uh, the parade and I think that will happen it's been uh, you know somewhat frustrating that it's taken a while to have that happen uh, but in the meantime I think that as mayor I should be supportive of the Pride parade which I have been every year I've been in the parade probably every year since 2001 or two you know so probably 17 or 18 years in a row um, and I think it's important to support it because it's a big citywide event I would prefer the police were in it. I've made that very clear over time. I've worked with Pride and others and the police to try and encourage them to be talking about ways we can get the police back in, and I think that will happen. But in the meantime, uh, I'm not going to have that affect my attendance as mayor at the parade. I'm there representing all the people, uh, and I'm there uh, to celebrate what I think is a great occasion in our city where people come together and you know celebrate... Just being here and having fun in our way of life here, but they also celebrate the human rights accomplishments we've had over the last number of years. So I will be there. I'll be raising the flag within the next half hour uh, at City Hall, uh, starting off a month of activities, and I'll be in the parade on the 23rd of uh, June.
1: And uh, finally, before we go, uh, go Raptors. how, How do you think that's affecting the city?
2: You know, it's just been
1: a fabulous
2: month for this city. We had a huge conference you may or may not have discussed on the airwaves uh, called Collision, which brought 25,000 people from around the world to uh, see what we're accomplishing here in our great tech startup community and all the global investments being made here. And these were people, many, many of whom I met, who'd never been to Toronto before. And they were amazed at the city, they were amazed at the way of life, they were amazed at the size and scale of the city, which a lot of people don't realize and then uh, along come the Raptors getting as far as they have all the way to the NBA Finals, and that similarly has provoked a great deal of civic pride. Um, You know, it's fantastic to see the fact that in our city... Um, you know, with the exception of a couple of incidents that were very unfortunate, but but uh, we've had thousands and thousands of people, many different nights in squares across the city celebrating and no incidents of, of you know, no violence or anything of that kind. It's just been very peaceful and, and fun. A couple of unfortunate things that happened involving journalists and so on. But, um, yeah. and then uh, secondly, we've had visitors. I was down in Jurassic Park. I spent the whole game the other night at Jurassic Park outside the Scotiabank Arena with the fans. And, and there were lots of people there, of course, from Toronto, but there were many People there from New Jersey, Chicago, the Philippines, uh, where else? New York, uh, Montreal, Winnipeg, who came all this way to celebrate uh, this team. And so I just think, again, it's put us on the map. We don't realize that these television broadcasts of the Raptors games are being shown around the world, and everything they're saying about Toronto showing the Jurassic Park outside Scotiabank Arena is all positive. I mean, people, we don't realize this whole Jurassic Park thing where thousands of people come and watch the game on a big screen outside the arena is something that's quite unique to Toronto. And the fact we do it peacefully we do it in the heart of our downtown is a source of great pride to me and the fans of course have been so supportive of the team as i've tried to be that it's uh, it's it's just a the whole thing is positive and i think it puts the city in a very positive mood. Well, it's so, not no Raptors.
1: It, it's not unique anymore because everybody's copied it. And I just have to ask you one question about that before I let you go. What's with that jacket you were wearing?
2: Well, you know, <laughs> everybody asks me about that. And that jacket had a perfect three and zero record. Uh, and then the other night, we, of course, we're not quite successful. We came close to winning. So I, I actually have three different Raptors jackets because I'm a very enthusiastic fan. So I might well consult the public on whether we should give that particular jacket, the very colorful one with the gold, logos on the black uh, jacket a rest and and try out one of the other ones for the the game coming up tomorrow night uh, or whether we should stick with the one that was having a pretty good record. So we'll have to see. But it was uh, something I had the other two jackets and somebody came along and said to me you really should have one of these and it's really uh, quite inexpensive and people would probably say worse critical words than that about it.
1: (laughs) I can see why.
2: Yeah, but but having said all that um, it uh, certainly uh, sends a message and uh, it's just me trying to be really enthusiastic about a team that uh, is just I think, really um, emblematic of today's Toronto in 2019. Uh, And we love all of our teams, including uh, the Leafs that have been around forever. But uh, the Raptors have got everybody's hearts at the moment, and that includes the mayor.
1: Okay, mayor, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you, Libby. All the best.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.